This is DZFE's Maestro Filipino, a focus for music with a connection to home. For this edition, I'm Daniel. It might surprise you to learn that today's guest, after completing a degree in music, where he majored in composition, is now pursuing a degree in law. But while Custodio tells us that that is merely, and quite naturally, the next step in his musical career. After all, he believes that music is made not merely for the sake of music, but instead is the platform through which he champions the cause of the downtrodden. It is a campaign to which Custodio has been committed for years, as evidenced by some of his earlier works that we will hear on the program. However, his repertoire extends far beyond that. Custodio indulges in poignant nostalgia in the choral work Tagutaguan, with which he won the recently concluded Busan Choral Festival and Competition. Of course, a better picture of his music should come from Custodio himself, so we will learn about that on Maestro Filipino, as well as about Custodio's beginnings as a choir singer, his early forays into musical experimentation, and what governs his art as a composer for the less fortunate. To open our program, here is Custodio's Ngunit lumaban siya sapagkat tapos na ang panlilin lang sa kanya, but she fought back because she cannot be fooled again. Welcome flautist Yi Huilin and violist Ho Chen Hong. Thank you. 
did not actually come from a musical family though my mom used to teach me how to sing although she wasn't a singer herself but nonetheless i grew up listening to my parents favorite artists you know like patty austin air supply bon jovi etc 2011 i think i was 13 years old i decided to join the mandaluyong children's choir under the baton of maestro sebastian trinidad or kuya baste as how we fondly called him During my stay with MCC, not only did I learn, you know, the art of choral singing, um, ensembleship, but I was very fortunate that in the MCC we are also trained to read notes. Actually, we were taught music theory for free. MCC and Kuyabaste became my stepping stone into being accepted into the UP College of Music. Luckily, I got accepted and. I was fortunate enough as well to be trained under the tutelage of Dr. Marie Jocelyn Marfil. Um, she has been my composition teacher since my freshman year up until I graduated. Why did you decide to pursue composition rather than say voice? During my time with MCC, I just realized that the human voice is something that I could possibly experiment on so if i remember correctly when i was in third year high school i was really just trying to write random notes on a blank sheet of paper and then i would ask my choir mates can you sing this together i was just fascinated by the fact that i was able to make that i was able to create that music that we just sung the human voice is such a beautiful instrument it's a very difficult instrument to write for and you can't simply write for voice or for choir as if you were writing for let's say a violin or a piano so it mm-hmm. it just doesn't work that way actually my fourth year of high school i tried to write three choral pieces for ssa and those were the pieces which i passed for the auditions for the up college of music experimentation it seems was something that you had an interest in early on Yeah, of course, during my time at MCC, I only knew conventional tonality, classical music. Personally, for the sake of defining it, I would say that contemporary is 
any style, any musical language that a composer uses during his compositional activities. My composition style is rather eccentric. I often use unconventional sound sources like news clips and random noises. Of course, Philippine indigenous instruments, which are rarely used actually by Filipino composers, which is unfortunate. I would say that my style is contemporary also because often incorporate social political issues in our country. So how did you make that leap from the more traditional tonal classical repertoire to the more experimental and eccentric, as you say, repertoire that you favor today? A lot of composition students would agree that, especially if they were to study in the UP Culture Music, the composition department of that, that we actually had to adjust big time because we were taught in the department a rather different approach to composing music. I guess we really had to deal with culture shock when we entered the College of Music. But nonetheless, I guess we enjoyed the ride, or at least most of us enjoyed the ride. I personally enjoyed it because I was able to produce unconventional sound sources and create my own sound sources as well. In the department, of course, you have the great Professor Chino Toledo, Dr. Jonas Baez, Maria Cristina Muico, and of course, my teacher, um, Marie Jocelyn Marfil. I mean, these are some of the finest composers in the country, and I would say that they were my models, especially during my first year, because back then, I didn't know what I was doing. Aside from them, I also look up to Chinari Ung and Toshio Sokawa, which I was also fortunate enough to have had lessons with them. You're also taking a law degree. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I view this maybe a continuation of what I've been doing in my undergrad because in my music, I often talk about sore social political issues mm. with the hopes that I'm able to convey that and I'm able to tell my audiences what is truly happening in our country. My motivation kasi why I wanted to enter law school is so that after I graduated and become a full-fledged lawyer, I would be able to give back to our indigenous people and provide legal aid should they need one.
We heard another work by today's guest, composer Ryle Custodio. That was, at kung maging sa panaginip mo'y hindi rin naman totoo, and if even in your dreams they are still not true, brought to us by Kathleen Nicole Cahis on Kurintang, Daniel Roy Kalinsagan on Banduria, Sirapob Maitri Sirimongkol on Flute, Pawin Pungbua on Trombone, Patarapot Sawang Chang on Viola, Chirayut Taulipo on Double Bass, Alejandro Sariegi on Percussions, under the direction of Peter Veal. We turn now to the second part of our interview. Back in 2018, I went to Taipei, Taiwan to compete for the 35th Asian Composers League, Young Composers Competition. Luckily, I was the very first Filipino to have won the top prize. It is really a cutthroat competition because if I remember correctly, my fellow competitors already had their music degrees, even had their master's degrees abroad. That time, I was still, I think, fourth year or third year in college. So I really was not expecting to win. When they announced my name, I mean, it's just surreal. And of course, that is not the only first prize you have won. Can you give us a little background of what the Busan Choral Festival is about? The Busan Choral Festival and competition, if I remember correctly, um, started in 2008. It was merely a competition for choirs, although I don't know when the composition competition actually started. The BCFC is one of the most prestigious competitions out there for choral musicians. They posted the announcement on Facebook and luckily I had a piece ready to be submitted. So I just thought, huh, okay, no application fee. And this is a prestigious competition. So yeah, why not? <laughs> I was really not expecting anything at all, but luckily I won. <laughs> Tagutaguan, the winning piece for the competition. Yeah. I actually wrote that back in 2019 as part of my requirements for one of my major classes, choral writing under Professor Chino Toledo. That piece is actually pretty simple. I really just wanted to reminisce my childhood, you know, playing Tagutaguan. And aside from that, I was able to prove with my win that Philippine culture, you know, Philippine music is really top-notch. And it's something that all Filipinos should be proud of. The winning piece for the 35th ECL Young Composers Prize in Taiwan, Ngunit lumaban siya sapagkat tapos ng panigilin. And this piece merely talks about a hypothetical woman who, after experiencing poverty or realizing the social political issues that her country is experiencing. Basically, this is a piece that tries to emulate some sort of realization. You're presenting her from seeing what is to what ought to be. Yeah, exactly. The second piece, uh, This is for Kulintang, uh, Banduria, and Chamber Ensemble. I wrote this as a piece for the Princess Kalyani Watana International Music Symposium in Bangkok back in 2019. This is actually a very personal piece, and this is something that I still cherish up until now because in 2017, during the Lakbayan, an annual camp out of the national minorities or the Dumas, like that, there's an annual march out to the UP Diliman campus. There I met Ipoy. He is a young Lumad kid. And I tried to approach him. Although he was not able to speak in Tagalog, he nonetheless tried to explain to me what was happening in his community. And if I remember correctly, he 
told me something along the lines of our leaders were being killed and we literally had to go here to Manila to assert our rights. He also said that it was actually his dream to visit Manila. With this piece, I really just tried to convey that irony of him being in Manila, but not for the reason that he wanted. He was in Manila that time because his community was oppressed. I still think about Ipoy and his community, especially now that we are in the pandemic. I can't not think about him. We move on to the third piece, which is the latest, and which I think is the most eccentric, considering the instruments that you used. That piece was actually presented during my online graduation recital last month. I used Philippine indigenous instruments, actually three kinds, tongatong, or the bamboo stomping tube, kubing, or the jaws harp. And I also use sagipo, which is like the lip flute, actually. I really just tried to convey the plights of people living in the mountains who unfortunately are struggling to assert their rights to their lands because international companies try to exploit the lands and cut off trees illegally. This is actually personal to me as well to an extent because... My father studied in Baguio, and we have a lot of relatives in Cordillera Administrative Region. This piece was very difficult for me to pull off because it took me around five months to write and around three months to record because I had to manually record everything. <laughs> and actually, since the Tongatong, I couldn't borrow those instruments from the college. So what I did was I made around 20 Tongatongs. It was really crazy. <laughs> I'd like the audience to really just appreciate the sound of the bamboos. And actually, the entire piece incorporates Philippine culture, not only because I use indigenous instruments, but also I use a certain pattern in Cordillera music playing. With that piece, I also try to emulate some sort of chaos because in that part of the piece, I try to explore how I could convey this feeling of destruction. It's a pretty wild piece, actually.
was an excerpt from Rail Custodios sa pagitan ng unti-unting pagkalagas ng mga puno at biglaang pagkaubos ng mga buhay. In between the gradual deforestation and sudden loss of lives, performed and recorded by Custodio for his graduation composition recital, and using instruments that he made himself. Before that, we heard, At kung maging sa panaginip mo'y hindi rin naman totoo, and, Ngunit lumaban siya sapagkat tapos na ang panlilin lang sa kanya. You can sample some of Custodio's works on his YouTube channel, or on his website, at railcustodio.wordpress.com. That's all for this Maestro Filipino, DZFE's weekly feature for fine music in our locale. Each episode airs Saturday at 4 in the afternoon, the following Wednesday at 2 in the early morning, and lastly the next Thursday at noon. Maestro Filipino episodes are uploaded every week on SoundCloud and Spotify. Once more, this is Daniel. Thank you for listening.